Hi, thanks for joining us today. This is Bonnie Wallace, author of The Hollywood Parents Guide. And today my guest on this podcast is Betsy Bellinger. Betsy is a producer of both film and television, and she's principal at Oops Donuts Productions. She's best known for producing You Again and Who's Your Daddy, and she's executive producer for Live and Mary. Betsy, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Bonnie. Thanks. Happy to be here. So how did you get started as a producer? How does that happen, or how did it happen for you? Um, I think it happens differently for everyone, and I think I am a fairly common Hollywood story when I tell you that I pretty much just fell into it. Um, I was a kid in Tennessee who grew up wanting to make movies in Hollywood, you know, which from a kid from Tennessee feels like a million miles away. Um, and I ended up, um, I got married and I moved out here and, um, I, you know, I just, I took one job, which took me to the next job, which took me to the next job. And, um, uh, I ended up, uh, finding my way to a company called Middle Fork Productions as an assistant. And there I met my now partner, Andy Fickman, who is, a, a director producer and together we have, uh, Oops Donuts Productions. Um, and he and I have worked together for 20 years now, um, starting as executives together and then eventually um, getting lucky enough that we were able to form our own company. At um, We had a deal at uh, Disney at the time to make movies for them and has been up and running ever since. But, you know, the interesting thing about Hollywood is there's no one way to do it. So you kind of just figure it out as you go. I love that because there is no one way to do anything. And I think people can feel really discouraged thinking, oh, there's a right way to do it. and Maybe I'm not doing it right. And it's like, it's just not like that. It can be overwhelming. And I always tell everyone, you know, look, that's the blessing and the curse of Hollywood. The curse is you feel overwhelmed and you feel like, oh, but if I take this job, what if I miss out on something else? And I always tell people, take the job. Just take the job because, A, it's not going to last forever. It's Hollywood, and it's a transitory um, community that we have here. So, you know, it might only last a couple of months, and Lord knows who you're going to meet, which could lead you to the next thing. So I always tell people, stop thinking too hard about it. Just take the job. Take the job. It's like it's like it's, what I always tell my kids is it's like um, doing stepping stones over a river in the fog. You can only see a couple of stones ahead, but that's all you need. You know, <laughs> just kind of keep exactly, exactly, absolutely. And sometimes you can't even see one stone ahead. But you know, there are times in your life when you just have to have faith that you know what you're doing is going to get you to where you're going. I love that. Well, you know, I find that there's a lot of confusion over what a producer actually does. I know some people think the producer is the money, and I know some people think that the producer is the one, you know, like right next to the director, and there's like a lot of different kinds of producers, in fact. Um, can you remove some of that mystery for us? Yeah, you're right. There are a lot of different kinds of producers, and it also depends on the medium. So, in film, you're right, um, the executive producer sometimes is the person who brings in the money or at least part of the money, um, and that's how you acknowledge that person. Um, there's a line producer, and sometimes that person's given an executive producer credit or a co-producer credit. Um, the line producer is 
kind of the person who handles the nuts and bolts of production. Um, they deal with all the unions. They make sure all the paperwork is good. They take care of the budget, all of that. Um, and then there's a creative producer, and that's more of what I do. Um, and it's different, again, it's different in film and television. Um, uh, I would say well, I would say they're, they're common in this way, and I always tell people being a creative producer is kind of like being a parent. Um, you ha- you start with the conception of a, a, a film or a television show, and maybe that's an idea that you have. Maybe it's an article that you read. Um, maybe you have a meeting with somebody, and that spurs um, you down this pathway. Um, it can start in any number of ways, but from there... It's my job to grow that. So if that means bringing on a writer, if that means bringing on a director, um, it can mean years and years of, um, of working on a script, many, many, many drafts, sometimes countless drafts uh, that you're working on, sometimes many different writers because each writer brings something different to it. And then uh, once you're ready for it to be seen, sometimes at that point you'll expose it to a studio or a network. Sometimes you've already started in that point. So my job is to help something become the best form of itself that it can be, much like I look at raising my child. I want to raise him to be the best man that he can be. And then hopefully if I've done my job right, I will send him off into the world and he will be well-received, just like my my film or my television show. Um, uh, You know, it's it's years in the making often. Um, You know, Liv and Maddie is a great example of – uh, uh, Andy and I sold an idea at a lunch one day to someone at the Disney Channel, um, and it was a story about uh, mom and dad are veterinarians, and they're raising their kids uh, who help out at the vet clinic. Um, and then they said, yeah, we want that. Uh, and we said, who do you want to write it? And they said, well, we like these guys Beck and Hart. Go find them. And so we went and found them, and we said, we just sold something. All you have to do is say yes. Um, and fortunately, they said yes. And then that turned into, by the time the lawyers get done with the deals, which always takes forever, it can take a year, it can take two years, and I'm not even kidding, Um by the time the lawyers get done with everything, and in this case, when they got done with everything, um, they didn't need that show anymore. So then that became a couple of different other versions of a show. And then two years after we sold it, we filmed a pilot called Bits and Pieces, which was completely different concept than what we sold. We were four concepts in. And we made a great show uh, with a lovely young uh, star named Dove Cameron and the family that you, you know now from Liv and Maddie. And as you know, Bonnie, we, um, we, we made a great show and we did all the focus testing that Disney needs to do. And at the end of it, um, they said, look, we need something with a, a bigger hook, a bigger concept, um, a higher concept. And um, we, love, we love your cast, keep your cast. But now we want to do the Petty Duke show. So you're just going to take Dove and you're going to, instead of one role, now she's going to play two roles because that seems easy. And oh, by the way, after two years of developing this project, um, 
you have two months to do this because that's how long our deals are in place. So oh, then after yeah. we had we had two months to figure out how to create the Patty Duke show from from bits and pieces, which I mean it's it's kind of comical looking back on it. It's a ridiculous roller coaster ride that we that we went on here, um, and Lord knows all is well that ends well because we have you know Disney Channel's top rated television show, and we're so proud of creatively of it. But the crazy thing is, this is not an atypical situation. I have a movie coming out at Halloween called The Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. And um, we set out to make a zombie film for kids because there were so many, you know, there were, there's a lot of zombie fare out there, but it was all like R rated. It was all for older people. And we thought, oh, let's do something for kids because that would be really fun. And it's kind of Amblin esque. It's, you know, it's the 80s stuff that we grew up on. And um, after four years of development of that, Paramount came to us and said, okay, we love this script. We're ready to make it. Now we need to take it from PG-13 to R. <laughs> and and uh. that was four years into the process. And, oh, by the way, you have to do this really fast because we need to start shooting. Um, and that's, that is, both of those stories are so typical of how Hollywood works. You just kind of put your seatbelt on, strap in and know that you're just going to be along for the ride. And along the way, you know, part of my job as a producer, um, I'm a producer on uh, on Scouts, and I'm an executive producer on on Live and Maddie, and and part of my job is to help navigate those waters and make sure that the speed bumps along the way are not the death of this project. Um, I have to protect it in the same way I would protect my own child. Um, so it's, uh, and, and I have to, I have to fight for it. I mean, that's a, that's a big part of what I do too. You know, you've got to sometimes put your boxing gloves on and, and fight for something creatively that you believe in. Um, so basically there's, I always tell people there's not a job I won't do if me getting somebody coffee is going to get me closer to getting something made, then by God, I'm going to go off and get somebody coffee. Like I'm, nothing is beneath me and I will do anything and everything to get something made. Well, we sat together in a hair salon for hours and hours when <laughs> we were trying to get Doug's hair to match the wigs. And it's like, really, it's like you can't believe the crazy stuff that, that you must end up having to do as a producer, I'm sure. By the way, not the first time I've ended up in a hair salon with an actress. <laughs> Again, it's just part of the job description. <laughs> but, you know, look, for, for, for Dove, God bless her. You know, we hired her for one role and one concept, and then we turned around and we said, here's another concept, and now you're going to play two roles. And a big part of our job at that point was helping Dove find who these two completely new, different characters are. Yeah. And that's everything. I mean, Dove did so much of the work on her own in terms of, you know, Andy kind of walked her through the process of, you know, journaling. and But she had really had to think through, well, okay, what what is what is Liv's backstory? What is Maddie's backstory? What music do they each listen to that's the same or that's different? 
um, Dove came up with the catchphrases of both characters, and she really came up with the physicality and the vocal inflections, which when you look at the show are completely different from one another. Um, And then it becomes about, you know, wardrobe and hair. And all of those things are tools that actors call upon to create a character. And part of my job is to give the actors what they need. So especially in the first season of this show where, and especially on the Disney Channel show, when hair and wardrobe is everything, um, it was about, you know, we were finding who each of those characters were, um, but then also trying to make sure that Dove felt comfortable with what we were giving her because nothing is worse than an actor trying to, you know, put something on, whether it's it's the clothing or the shoes or the wig or the makeup, anything that takes them out of who who that character is and what they're supposed to be doing only hurts your project. So every, there is, like I said, every single detail comes into play when it comes to producing. And a big part of it is making sure that our actors have what they need because it doesn't matter how hard I'm working behind the scenes, all the audience sees is what's on camera. That makes sense. Well, you're just, you know, as a producer, you are involved in every single element of the thing. And I've seen you be very, very involved in in wardrobe, for example, and and wardrobe direction and choices, and especially at the beginning as as that was all getting established. Um, I think think it comes as a surprise to a lot of people um, that producers are always involved, at least to my understanding, with the final casting decisions um, for pilots and movies, you know, because everybody talks about casting directors, but the casting directors are really working for the producers. Um, How do you interact with the casting director once you get down to the final choices of programming with you? How does that work? Yeah, well, speaking specifically to to Liv and Maddie, and again, it's always it's always different. Film is different from television, but speaking from from Liv and Maddie um, perspective, um, Ron and John and I um, were there almost every casting se- uh, session early on. Even um, it wasn't just down to the final ones where you have final callbacks and you're going into Disney and you're putting on tape. We were there from the very beginning. Um, And, you know, your casting director is such an important partner in your process. And especially when you're talking about a Disney Channel show where, um, you know, I I, I feel like with the exception of maybe Dove, uh, Disney knows every, every kid out there. I feel like they've just... They are some sort of omnipotent being, and they know every child actor who is working today anywhere in the world. They just have they have they have this way of just knowing who you know. Oh yes, she's in Atlanta, and she's terrific. We've been keeping our eye on her. Like they know everyone, and I have to say, it was such a shock when we brought Dove in, and it's impossible. Well, nearly impossible to bring someone into the Disney Channel that not only do they already know, but they haven't seen already 50 times before. And so when we brought Dove in, and, you know, she was literally someone who Sheila Guthrie, our casting director, had seen at, like, a choir show, a glee club performance at Burbank High School, that never happens. 
Um, and thank God Sheila went to that high school performance where she saw Dove. Um, it was just, it was a, it was a small miracle for all of us. And Disney Channel was like, hold on a second, who's this girl? And by the way, how don't we know her? Um, that was exciting for us. Um, but then, you know, look, the casting process is always interesting because. Ultimately, what you always say is, I want to just find the strongest actor for each role. And ideally, that's what you're able to do. But especially when you're dealing with a family or if you're dealing with a, you know, a, any project that's about four friends, um, like if you look at the television show Friends, it, has, it also has to do with you don't want four kids who look all alike. Um, you know, if you can bring diversity into it, all the better, because it would be great to make our show look like the world does. Um, and there's so much mixing and matching that happens. You might, you know, if Dove, we fall in love with Dove first and foremost, and then she doesn't have chemistry with somebody who's a great actor, but sometimes two people just don't have chemistry with each other. Um, that plays into it. There are a million different reasons, uh, that you cast and don't cast somebody. Um, but really... At the end of every session, we always look to our casting director because we all have our own opinions on things and all art is subjective. Um, and then our casting director is usually the person at the end of each session to kind of pull it all together and, and their feedback because that's what they do all day, every day. Their feedback is so important to us because – you know, sometimes they'll know an actor who, for lack of a better way of saying it, is just ready. We'll see actors who are, are young actors and who are great, but they might just, as the casting director would say, you know, like they're, they're just one or two jobs away from being the right person for this and ready for this. Um, mm -hmm. So the readiness especially when you're talking about a series regular role also really plays into that. And the casting director knows these actors. She often knows what their journey has been and are they ready for this or are they maybe not quite ready for this just yet? So the casting director is everything to us. And, and I will, let me just say one thing about the casting process. Um, because I, I, you know, we've, you and I have talked about this before. We've had this conversation and your book I think is invaluable. My husband is an acting coach for kids. I have spent the last 20 years of my life with kids and their parents from all over the country coming in and out of our home. And I've gotten to know many of them and, um, I see the sacrifices that it takes, um, for whole families, you know, I've seen every iteration of it. I've seen the families who all come out together. I've seen the mom who comes out with the kid, the dad who comes out with the kid. Often they are leaving other kids home and their spouse. Um, it's a, it's a really, it's a, it's a big sacrifice and it's a huge leap for anyone to make. I'm, I'm so happy that you have your book out there because you make that process um, a little less mysterious for them, but um, I'm I, I'm I, I'm a big believer that especially for these kids whose parents are sacrificing so much, there needs to be 
a sense of respect and gratitude towards what often the whole family is sacrificing to make the possibility of a dream come true. And I, I will I will give you my, my one sort of cautionary tale. And I was coming into a Live and Maddie casting session. It was um, it was an earlier session here on the lot. And I, I, I went by this little girl who was out front with her mom and um, clearly had come to audition. And she was just yelling at her mom and being really disrespectful. And the mom was just kind of sitting there taking it. And I walked past them, went into the casting session, and at some point during the casting session, of course, that little girl comes in to audition. She gave a fine audition. She was totally fine. The the truth is she could have been a 12-year-old Meryl Streep, and it wouldn't have mattered. The second she walked out the door, I said to the casting director, I said to my fellow producers, here's what happened, here's what I just saw, and I'm, I'm not okay casting her. Because yeah. if she will behave that way to her mother, who has done so much from her, how on earth is she going to behave to a director, to her fellow actors, to the first AD? I don't want that kind of energy on our set. And that girl never had a chance. She could have given the performance of a lifetime, and she never would have had a chance. So there are plenty of casting directors who will tell you, the audition begins the second you walk into our office. I will say the audition begins the second you're even outside of the office because you never know who is walking past you, who is witnessing your behavior. Um, and again, the casting directors, because they often know these kids so well, they generally have a pretty good handle. Because for us, it was really important to hire a cast and a crew but in this case, a cast who um, just full, like a nice cast, you know, like nice, decent people who are going to come to work every day and and have fun and be pleasant to be around. Um, that's important. That's almost as, as important as talent. Um, so the casting director is also that person that we look to if we're really kind of falling in love with somebody and say, okay, what do we need to know? The casting director is the person who knows all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so such, such an important partner in the whole process. Well, that, um, that brings me to two completely different subjects. So I'm just going to choose one right now, right? So, so, you know, you're not only involved in the casting process for the pilot and the original, you know, cast of the series regulars, but you get involved with, with casting guesters, yeah? With we with the with the uh, the yeah the guest stars and the recurring characters mm-hmm. is what you're asking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, especially as as an executive producer on a television show, you know, film. Here's the big difference: film is a director's medium, television is a writer's medium. So, um, and I'm a non-writing EP, it's it's what it's called, Um, but nonetheless, I'm an EP, I was somebody who helped create the show, and so yes, in that position, you um, are part of all of the casting decisions, Um, uh, you're part of those, uh, you're part of the casting sessions. Um, Sometimes we're just busy here, and so I can't get to casting sessions, and so I'll I'll watch them on tape. Um, The casting director and whoever is in the session with her will kind of pick usually like the top 
five or so people from that session and put them on tape and send them to us um, so that we can then uh, decide, again, who we like, but also who's the right fit. Um, that's, you know, I think any actor, I hope that, that, you know, any actor who's out there working today understands that, um, if the rejection often has nothing to do with them and nothing to do with their level of talent, it has to do with how you fit in to the project as a whole. Um, and so that's, that's part of what we're looking at is who's somebody who is just undeniably this particular character or who brings something new and fresh into a character and, uh, and you know, who is the right, who's the right fit. Sometimes it just comes down to hair color, to be totally honest with you. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel bad because it's such an arbitrary thing. But, um, but you know, if, if I've cast things before where we might have kids who, you know, we have five brunettes, you know, the last thing I need is another brunette. And, and I have seen things, I'm sure you, your audience has seen things, and you have too, where you're watching, you're like, oh, I'm really confused, which guy is which guy, because then you cast people who look alike. You can't cast people who look alike, it becomes really confusing for your audience. So um, that's all the kinds of stuff that we have to take into consideration. And in the process, unfortunately, we have to say no to some really great actors. But often what we will do if we fall in love with an actor who we can't cast for that role, we'll figure out another role for them. And every once in a while, we'll write something that we really want that specific actor for. That's so cool. Well, and, you, you know, you're doing different projects all the time. So, you know, you might find somebody you fall in love with but they're just not right for this project, but you are, you are definitely going to keep track of them for, for future projects. So, and yeah, I absolutely. Absolutely. And, and even when you look at the pilot that we did for live and Maddie and you look at Joey Bragg, who plays the oldest brother in our show, Joey originally started out as this character named sticky. And, um, he was, he was a fairly different character and as we got to know joey bragg through the process of of the pilot we realized joey bragg is a much more interesting person than sticky is so when it came time to change up the concept and bring the cast over to a different concept we literally just named the character joey and started writing towards Joey and who he is. You know, he's a guy, he's kind of geeky and he loves cats. And like, we just, we leaned into it with Joey. And every once in a while, you'll meet an actor who inspires you in that way. Shaq, who plays Dump Truck on our show. You know, Dump Truck wasn't exactly that role. But then Shaq walks in and he looks like the Fonz. And, you know, you're just thinking, oh, dear God, please let this guy be able to act. Please let him be able to act. And then he just does his own thing with it. And it's magic. And when that happens, if you're lucky enough to find an actor who brings something like that, you just, you lean in, you write towards it. You write towards whatever that actor um, can do. And we've been blessed with so many actors like that on this show. And whenever we find them, and it's, you know, Dove, we, we figured out, you know, Dove has, you know, everyone has like little hidden talents and we figured out what Doves were and we just wrote to them. And she's hysterical. Last week we did an episode which was so much physical comedy 
And she was so Lucille Ball in that episode. And we all were watching run through and saying, holy cow, like we're in our third season. And we weren't completely aware that she could do this. So it's also a constant discovery, even of the actors that you feel you know so well. And that's part of the fun of doing a television show. We don't really have that luxury in film because you don't have the real estate. In television, you do. And it's so much fun to get to know your actors and explore their talents. Well, and you guys have been especially good about that. I, I've, I've, I've actually mentioned this to a number of people over the last couple of years, my my kind of awe at the way, you know, all of you guys, the writers and the producers have, as you say, leaned into the actors themselves and, and kind of shaped the characters around them like a glove. And, and it's been fun for me to see the evolution of the series over the last couple of years. Um, like take advantage of what it is that those actors have to give. Um, that's been exciting, and it was a revelation to me because, of course, this is this is our first experience of the series. Um, and now that actually Liz and Maddie is in the middle of a third season, it's shot almost 60 episodes, which is hard to believe. Um, oh. Do you have any advice, right? <laughs> that's a lot of episodes. Do you have any advice? I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing because it's just blown by. Right? No, it has. It's I'm sorry. It kind of started last week. Well, so there's a bunch of young kids who are in love with that show and other shows on the channel in particular, because, of course, the Disney Channel has the most amazing reach. Um, do you have any right. advice for those young kids who want to be on a show like Live and Maddie? Um, you know, I, I, think, I think my advice to, you know, kids who want to do Disney and Nickelodeon is the same to, you know, any kid who wants to act. And it's it's. You know, first of all, you know, bloom where you're planted um, because not everybody is in L.A. Not everybody's family gets to move to L.A. Um, and there's a lot you can do where you are at home. I mean, Dove, Dove was only prepared for here. Well, she's a unique human being, first of all. I mean, she's such an old soul. Um, uh, but she did years and years of community theater in Washington, right? She she did years, yeah. Our local years of musical theater. theater, and and when you talk to her about her childhood, she always goes instantly to, you know, I played Cosette, and you know, Lamet, like you know, she she often just goes straight to her theater because that was such a formative part of her childhood. Um, but it also prepared her in so many ways. And so, I, you know, I would say to, to kids who are not in this area, you know, by all means, get involved in community theater, get involved um, with your school theater. Um, uh, and then, you know, if at some point you're lucky enough to come out here, it's, it's about studying it's about understanding the craft of acting um look instincts are instincts and you generally cannot teach them but you can learn a craft and uh and you know it's it's the it's it's the craft that makes the directors be able to have real conversations with actors because it gives them a common language um so study by all means, and then, again, take the job. 
don't worry about if it's the right job unless it's inappropriate for you in some way. Um, but take the job. There is no job that is too small because it's all about, you know, creating that sort of muscle memory and, and getting to do it over and over again. It's like playing the piano. It's just, it's repetition. Um, so if it's student films, um, you know, nowadays the amazing thing is we have things like YouTube and, I know kids who are out there creating their own web series and they're getting to write and direct and produce and star in and some of them are, you know, 13 years old and they're getting to do all of it. They're getting to learn all of it and they're creating their own opportunities. Um, And the amazing thing is that we live in a time where you can actually do that. And maybe something will become of that web series and and maybe it won't, but you can't take away the kind of experience that that gives you. Um, And then look, the the last piece of advice I will give is a piece of advice that I wish somebody had given me many, many years ago when I was auditioning for things. I always, I would walk into these rooms and I was intimidated by usually there were a couple of, you know, stern, scary looking people behind the table um, who I felt like were judging me the entire time, which by the way, that's what an audition is. They are judging me. Um, But I used to be intimidated by them. And then years later I became one of the scary people sitting at the other side of the table. And I realized that all of those scary people are secretly rooting for you because if if you're the one, if you come in and give a great audition, their job's done. There have been casting sessions where I would see 100 people a day and probably 90% of those people would give the exact same audition. They didn't necessarily put a lot of time or a lot of thought into it. Um, they just kind of came in and went through the motions of auditioning. And let me tell you, seeing 90 out of 100 people give you the exact same audition is mind-numbing. And you forget all of those people. Um, and so, you know, prepare, really, you know, look at those calls, look at the um, look at the breakdowns as – you know, like you're a private investigator and those are all clues. There's so much information on those breakdowns. Not all of them might be about your character, but they're about the world that the character lives in. Um, And they give you little clues about your relationships with your mom or dad or your sister or brother. All of that is information that you can pull from. Take the time, prepare, make strong choices. Don't worry about whether or not they're the right choices. Any good casting director or if you're in film, any good director worth their salt will redirect you, will give you direction there in the room. And by the way, if somebody gives you direction in the room, I think there, there is this feeling, if you don't know any better, that, oh, they're telling me to do it differently. That means they don't like how I'm doing it. When they tell you to do it differently – it means that they like you enough to want to take the time to watch you do it differently. It means that they're interested in you and they're curious as to whether or not you can take direction. Because if you're somebody who they find interesting and they give you a piece of direction and you don't change your performance at all, 
that informs them that, oh, you know what, um, there's talent there, but they don't know how to take direction. And so maybe they're green. Maybe they just need to go through this process a little bit more. If somebody, if you're lucky enough for somebody to give you direction in a room, think about what they're saying to you. If it doesn't make sense, ask them. It's totally fine to say, do you mean do it this way? Do you want it that way? Make sure you're clear and then adjust your performance because that tells them that you can take direction. Um, uh, so I think in a nutshell, I think those are like my best pieces of advice that I can give to an actor. But for God's sake, please make strong choices. Please, please, please. <laughs> That's so good. You know, I love to, I mean, my whole heart just opened up when you said, you know, we, we're rooting for you. We're people behind the table are rooting for you. It's so true. I will never ever forget, and I know Dev will never forget either. That phone call. I don't know how many people were on your side of the call, but that call we were in the car that we got that said, you know what, you got the role. <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> that was and, that was one I of the could, most enjoyable calls I've ever made. I could hear you all cheering literally in the background. There was like a pause, and and it was you know it was a life changing phone call for us. But it just felt like, oh wow, you know, it, it was it was just beautiful. It was just it was it was a good feeling, you know. Well, so. I'll tell you, there there have been times when we've auditioned actors for a role, and you could go through, you know, you could go through easily a hundred actors and not find anyone who feels spot on, and then you start to question, okay, well maybe. At this point, this could be an issue with the role. Maybe there is something about this role and the way that it's written that is not working. And you and you really and then you start to doubt, like, well, maybe we won't ever find somebody. And what if we don't? Like, you kind of start to panic. And usually, you're under the gun. You have a time limit in terms of how long you have to find the right person. And so, when somebody walks in the door, even if they are not how you envisioned the character, like a Joey Bragg who came in and just did like has his own rhythm, which is just, it's not even Joey Rooney. It's that's Joey Bragg rhythm. He's he was a stand-up comedian and we just, you know, we ended up writing towards that a lot. Sometimes somebody comes in and they're not at all what you envision. And then they, they give their audition and you realize, Holy cow. That's incredibly exciting because suddenly you realize that there are more colors in this crayon box than you realized. Um, and I always feel like, boy, by the time we're auditioning someone, I'm usually a couple years into something, and I feel like I know these characters better than anyone will know these characters, but then an actor will walk in, and they will show me that they know this character better than I do. And they find they find nuances and and all these interesting fun colors that I didn't know were there. That's really exciting. And when that person walks out of the room, even if I have a hundred more people that I'm slated to see that day, it is a huge sigh of relief because I think, man, no matter who else I see today, I know we have that person. And it's a huge sigh of relief. So yes, just know if it helps you that all those people in that room, they all want you to be the one. Mm, what a wonderful, beautiful note to end on. Betsy, thank you. Um, everybody should look for the Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse in theaters this Halloween. And be yeah. sure to watch Liv and Maddie. 
on the Disney Channel. On yes, Friday please. Night. We just we just started airing season three, and we're so excited about creatively where it is. It's so cool. Season three is amazing. Thank you. And so and also, by all means, go out and go out and buy the Hollywood Parents Guide because there is so much unbelievable information in there. And I know so many parents over the last twenty years who wish that they had had some kind of how-to book like Bonnie has provided the world with. So if if this is if this is an arena that you are currently in, if it's a sandbox that you're playing in, do yourself a favor, go find that book. Oh, thank you, Betsy. Thanks for joining us on this podcast today. For a limited time, I'm offering my two online workshops, Preparing Your Child for Hollywood, and the more advanced, Helping Your Child Succeed in Hollywood at a low introductory price. These workshops are invaluable resources for parents of young actors, whether you're actually aiming for Hollywood or just thinking about it. You can them on the workshops page of my website, hollywoodparentsguide.com, or just go to hollywoodparentsguide.com forward slash workshop. These low introductory prices are subject to change without notice, of course, so catch them now before they go up. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Bonnie Wallace of the Hollywood Parents Guide. Until next time, keep following your dreams.